You are now entering the world of Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. Stay geeky, my friends. And welcome to episode 53. Yep. 53 of uh, 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. It's right there in the show notes. You shouldn't. I mean, it wouldn't. I'm Patrick. Hi. I'm Joel. <laughs> and I'm Josh. And I'm the best there is at what I do. Unfortunately, what I do is mostly cope with arthritis, play too many video games, and eat chocolate chips straight from the bag. That's a true story about. Well, I don't know. That's not pretty either. So it's. <laughs> Yeah, I've actually got the chocolate chips right here. <laughs> it's a very specific Guinness category. Yeah. What kind of chocolate chips? Semi-sweet was all we had in the house. <laughs> Bakers. As long as, you're, <laughs> as long as you're not the freak that eats the white chocolate chips, that's fine. What? I love Rab- those. Rabbit. Like I said. Freak. Yeah, I'm with Mike on this one. Yeah, you're a freak. That's not real chocolate. No. Well, no, it's not real chocolate, but I still like them. There's, mm. there's nothing better than a white chocolate macadamia nut cookie. Come on now. Oh, okay. Whoa. I'll give you that. They're, they're pretty good in that. Except for a dark chocolate and walnut cookie. I'm not a big dark chocolate fan. Racist. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so this week, if you could guess what we're talking about, because we didn't talk about it at all. Chocolate. Yay, yes. chocolate. <laughs> Yay, chocolate. No, no, Wolverine. Wolverine. Logan. Same thing. Yay. No, wait, Wolverines. No, just Wolverine. We're talking oh. about the comic book character and the movie. What? Yes. What did I you read this week? I the animal all week. Well, you'll be able to contribute and marginally. I just I watched, watched Red, Red Dawn, Dawn again. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it, folks. This night's going to be a crapshoot. <laughs> As Joel and I go for the same joke at the same time. That's great. All right. Drop so, the joke. Drop it. Hey, we have listener feedback. Well, yeah. Yes, we do. We do. So, uh, let's see what that sounds like. Hey, guys. Just wanted to tell you how much I love your show. I'm uh, renovating a house right now, and I don't have any Wi-Fi, and your show has saved me uh, every single day. I've been listening to all the archives, uh, listening to, you know, the past year of what you guys have been doing, and it's just fantastic, and I'm glad you're going to keep it up. I can't wait for years more of this to come. And uh, if you guys ever get more free time, you should consider doing uh, two shows a week if you can manage it. But I just wanted to say thanks. Love your show. And uh, I look forward to tomorrow. Bye. What's going on tomorrow? I'm not sure. Uh, Listening again. Yeah, maybe the uh, call was right before a uh, show was about to go up. Oh, okay. That would have been cool. That's cool. Maybe she's bugged our phones and is just listening in. Uh, She's tapped into Maybellina's cameras. Hi, nice lady. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we appreciate uh, every, everyone who likes our show, and uh, the idea of uh, us doing more than one a week, I think, uh, is okay. bringing on the old uh, terror vomit. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I had a mild heart attack when she said that. <laughs> so, I'm and then we recorded it. a show. Yes, uh, but no. If you if you like the show, you know where you can go: Podcast Land. We are right now attempting to get to the number one slot on podcast land for the month of September, and we are kicking the opponent's butts, as it were. We're up by like 16 votes 
from the next from the number two position, I think. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. So we are rocking it out over there. So if you can get your friends, your mom, your ex boyfriend, your dog, and all them to vote for us on Podcast Land, that would be great. Or just yeah, some email addresses, one or the other. Yeah. It's really just about allowing new people to discover the show. Yeah, and we, we're all about that. We appreciate you guys listening. We love you guys as listeners. And uh, But to get some new listeners in here is always cool because, you know, I hate to think that you guys are getting jaded over us, you know. like Aww. Bring more people to the party. Heck yeah. Speaking of bringing people to the party, we have Nenimlas. And oh, listener. Listeners here. So I haven't pre-listened to this one, so I don't know. I haven't pre-screened this one either. I don't know where this is going to go. All right. Well, what if I don't want to address the guys? What if I don't want to talk to the guys? I want to address the shit. What happened to the old fucking opener? You guys got fucking lazy. Yeah. I called you out for the same fucking opening bit for goddamn how many weeks now? Lazy sons of bitches. Um, Aside from that, really nice to hear some new fucking people calling in. See, it's not just me and a few other people calling in. We're not the only listeners, but even if we were, that means you guys are just talking to yourself. You guys are talking to yourself anyway, so keep talking to yourself. Why is he so mad at us? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Nenemlas, I just want to say right now, you did not end your phone call with butts to the front. <laughs> That's true, he didn't. He's not angry at us, he's just angry. I hope he wasn't, like, you, you know, driving anything or, like, Operate. Actually, I'm kind of hoping he's not driving or operating heavy machinery at all. Okay. He's an air traffic controller. Oh, yeah. good. Yeah, that's... What was it we used to do that we're not doing anymore? Mocking the callers. Is that what he's complaining about? No, I don't know. what. Oh, the very beginning? Yeah, he was like a something of a second opening bit. I don't know. Have... I, mean, I thought he was just screaming about the voicemail message. I don't know. Let's, let's go back in. <laughs> do we have to? <laughs> well, what if I don't want to address the guys? What if I don't want to talk to the guys? I want to address the shit. What happened to the old fucking opener? You guys got fucking lazy. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. The What's on the opener? voicemail? Did we did we have a different like thing queued up for a second? No. Song? Do you have a choice when you call in the voicemail to like press one for this, press two for this? Like as a joke? Uh, I don't think so. I've, I've never. You you're the one who called it, Joel. You should know. That was a long call time. Call it right ago. now so Josh can answer it. <laughs> no, don't do that. It screws everything up. <laughs> it's, it's... No, I don't know what he's ranting about this time. Well, thank you for your yeah, constructive time, criticism. Usually it's so clear, but yeah. this time we're just left on the murk. <laughs> yeah, thank you yeah, for Yeah, I wonder what it is we used to do that we don't do. I, have we been, uh, I don't know if, we've never really talked about this explicitly, but I know we usually do after uh, the quote-unquote credits. There's like a little secret thing for someone who's listened all the way to the end. We've been doing that lately, right? The stingers? Yes, yeah. yeah, I had the stingers in every show. Huh. Like almost, almost every once since like the 20th, right? Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. So if uh, you have been tuning out as we're saying our goodbyes, like I don't need to listen to this anymore, you are missing some prime stuff. Yeah. Usually pre and post show stuff that uh, the guys aren't entirely sure that I'm recording or not. Too when, hot when for gloves, television. When, when the gloves are really off. Yes. Right. When you get to see the true face. <laughs> so. Speaking of true faces, our, our true faces uh, are up on the website and uh, on the Facebook page now. Yes, they are. Good segue. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. I worked on that all week. <laughs> That's why we keep on waiting for the setup. Yeah, we uh, got our pictures up there, a little yep. photo booth. And I, I don't normally look like I look in those pictures, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you keep He's saying that. He's normally not so put together. <laughs> right. It's very true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if you guys want to call in or 
you know, give us a shout out or anything like that, you leave us voicemails uh, at 708 now rap. That's 708 669 9727. You can do emails at 40go14 at gmail.com. Tweets, you can get us at, at 40go14. And uh, if you're like Nenemlos, you can find someone's phone, call the number, and shout into it for a little while. <laughs> we really do love hearing from you. We have no idea what you're talking about, but we love hearing from you. <laughs> exactly. It's like so. the drunk uncle at Christmas. Like me, basically. Yeah, pretty much. All right. So, Josh, uh, if they want to pick up any of the older shows, where can they go? You can always find us on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, other fine podcasting directories. Or you can find us at musingsofageek.com, which is our uh, podcast network. You can also find us at uh, Geek Life Radio uh, Saturdays at noon. Yeah, there's been a lot of cool stuff going on on uh, the network these uh, last couple of days. Hmm. I know there are some new shows added recently, so you could check all of those out at uh, musingsofageek.com. All right. So you know what time it is? Is it about that time? It is about that time. This weekend, music, movies, TV. Hello. <laughs> Why did it play me back? I was I had my mic muted. Oh, oh because, I had mine too. I was like, well, I guess Joel didn't mute his this time. No, no, no. no. It's because when the first time he did that, you guys were laughing at it, and I had to. That's as low as I can get you guys on the recording bef- without making that's him hilarious. totally disappear. So Joel cracking up when I say movies is a permanent part of that bumper. Yep. <laughs> nice. So this weekend in 1974, which is Wolverine's first appearance. In so. a Hulk comic, actually. Yeah. Right. Hulk 180 and 181. Yes. All right. So this weekend in 1974, music. The number one song is Band on the Run by Paul McCartney and Wings. And Love that song. That's a great song. And immediately after, the uh, taste of our music tanks, because number two song is The Streak by Ray Stevens. That got yeah, all the way up to booty, two. Booty. Oh, oh. I hate, I hate that song. I actually, uh, I have found memories of that Ray Stevens song because uh, my mother owned the single on LP. I like uh, Band on the Run is an awesome song. Yeah. And the streak is, they made a video for it, didn't they? Yep. <laughs> so if yeah, you. With with production value that is looked down upon by Hee Haw. So. Ooh. Yeah. All right. So in movies, Chinatown is back on top in its 12th week of release, being number one movie for four weeks. And then after six weeks, and then six weeks off after the first five-week run at number one for Death Wish and The Longest Yard were both in the middle. Oh, Death Wish. What a great movie. Charlie Bronson, God bless you. <laughs> That's where, um, uh, what's his name, from Jurassic Park got to start, isn't it? Jeff Goldblum, yep. Yeah. And Herbie Hancock did the soundtrack. Wow. I wonder if they told Herbie Hancock what the movie was actually about. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> it's about a birthday party. Yeah. But Chinatown. Do you, do you guys understand though how weird that is about the China because China, Chinatown spent five weeks at number one, and then for six weeks it was off of number one because of Death Wish at the Longest Yard, 
Then it came back to number one for another four weeks, which is just very odd. Well, I could see that happening now if, like, there was something – because didn't, uh, like, Guardians of the Galaxy get knocked off a number one for a couple of weeks and then go right back there? Yeah, recently? it came back. Yeah. Yeah, it's, but it's, just, it's, it's not the norm, that's for sure. Sure. Because usually they're re- releasing enough movies you know, that if something is always, you know, if it goes to number one, it doesn't – or it comes well, off number one. Especially back. six weeks. That's a long time. Yeah. So people, well, I mean, well, we've seen Death Wish. Might as well go back and see Chinatown. <laughs> did you guys ever see the sequel, The Two Jakes? The Two Jakes. I did. It was pretty good. It was okay. Yeah. It was no Chinatown. Yeah, they were supposed to do a trilogy, but the third one never got made. Mm. All right. But uh, TV. Ah, it's Lord of the Hot Pants again. <laughs> <laughs> Acronym of the day. L-O-L-H-O-T-P. Is it the same thing? Yeah, it's the same thing. It's a little house on the prairie. Premiere. Yep. Last week we dubbed Lord of the Hot Pants. Which I <laughs> Michael landed in hot pants. Premieres on NBC on 9-11-1974. On September 10th, a controversial TV movie, Born Innocent, starring Linda Blair, was aired on TV. The film, which involved a 14-year-old being sent to a women's prison, actually a reform school, drew heavy criticism due to an all-female rape scene, the first ever seen on American television. Yeah. So, and then other things in TV, uh, the top TV shows are uh, The Racists and Two Black Families. (laughs) All in the Family, The Jeffersons and Sanford and Son are the top TV shows. Sanford and Son is awesome. (laughs) And now on to Sport. Singular. Yes. On Just September 11th, 1974, the St. Louis Cardinals. Hey, look at hey. that. Hey, I thought we established that was the Slick Liquor Commission. <laughs> I thought that was St. Louis Cardinals. <laughs> I forgot about that one. Yeah. This is not the first time we've done the SLCs. Nope. All right. So this, they won a marathon night game against the New York Mets after seven hours and four minutes and 25 innings. Jesus. Oh, my God. Also tied for the longest game to a decision in a major league history, St. Louis won 4-3. to The Mets went to plate 103 times, a record in a major league game, and the cards were not far behind with 99 plate appearances. Good God. Sounds yeah, like a buffet. Like, oh, you got there before me. I was going to say, it's like me at a buffet. <laughs> oh, you were going to tell the same joke? That's twice. Again, yeah. There's a simpatico tonight. <laughs> Muy simpatico. Fancy words. Uh, Felix Milan and Jean Milner come to bat 12 times each. All told, a record 175 official at-bats were recorded, with a major league record of 45 runners stranded. Only 1,000 fans were still at Shea Stadium when the game ended at 3.13 a.m. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, the others had all died of old age, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I thought 12 a baseball, of them were mugged on the way out. Yeah, I thought a baseball game was long just normally. Good God. Now, those 1,000 fans actually had been born... <laughs> and then eighth inning, it was a completely new generation. Yeah, they had ate and they had eaten the corpses. <laughs> so and births. Joel was born on September third, nineteen seventy four. Yay! Yay! Yay. Since and we're doing that year and it's the month, I, you know. I yeah. yeah. And now he's over forty. I am officially over forty. Yep. Yes, you're officially old. I'm forty and uh, eight days. Yeah. August, August, September is like the month for us. All those, you know, uh, Christmas, New Year's babies. Yeah. Yeah. Christmas and Thanksgiving. (laughs) Ha ha ha. Stuffing the turkey. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. He means sex. (laughs) You sound like Peter Lorre when you did that. (laughs) (laughs) 
He's Rick, talking Rick, about Rick. sick. <laughs> Rick, you've got to fuck me, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> now you're getting creepy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, you've ruined that movie for me. Oh, oh my God. God. Oh, I, I hear that every time I see Casablanca now. Play it again. <laughs> uh, so, Wolverine, what do you guys think? I think Josh is banned from making that comment. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah. See, Wolverine is one of those characters where if you're into Marvel comics, you can't possibly avoid him. He's in everything. <laughs> yeah. Make it sound like it's a negative. You can't no. get away from it. Well, it's weird because like he's supposed to be this edgy loner, but he's like an X-Man, an Avenger. He leads like three teams. <laughs> he joins every group. <laughs> he's like the American yeah. Express. He's everywhere you want to be. Well, that, that is true. It's like every time he joins a group, he's just like, well, I'm joining you, but I'm still going to be a loner. Right. So, I don't know. Bub. Now, yeah. now I got to go and help my friends in this other group I'm in. <laughs> I'll be back in a week. Yeah, his appointment calendar's got to be all messed up. <laughs> well, he needs pro- a personal assistant. Yeah, he hardly actually has any time to himself, really. Yeah. feel bad that, for the guy. That would be a funny comedy thing to write. Like, Wolverine's personal assistant. <laughs> Jubilee is his personal assistant, pretty you much. You were supposed to be in hell last week. With Kitty Pride. <laughs> Yeah, we've uh, we were talking about that before the show where there's a few things he's got in common throughout the history of his character. He tends to look after uh young girls, make sure that he is a mentor figure, kind of a surrogate father. Uh he's all got these gaps in his memory where he doesn't remember who or what he is, and he pretty much due to his mutant powers is virtually invincible, which is interesting because the reason we chose to do this show now is because we're actually halfway through the character arc of the death of Wolverine, which I'm sure it's going to be a comic book death, so it's not going to be permanent. But That was my first question I wanted to ask you, Josh. Go here's ahead. the thing of all comic book deaths post-death of Superman. It's not about permanently killing the character off. It's about telling a story arc of what is the world going to be like with this character suddenly removed from everyone's lives. And with Wolverine, since he's literally in just about everyone's life, I think they're going to have to keep him dead for a couple of years, maybe a year and a half to two, just to deal with all the fallout. And I mean, that's the uh, (laughs) amount of time that Peter Parker was, quote unquote, dead during Superior Spider-Man's run. So I, I'd say that they need to keep Wolverine off the grid for at least that long. He, I believe he will be really dead. And of course, he's a big cash cow for Marvel. So at some point, we have to assume he's coming back with a triumphant resurrection. Then why don't they just write an alternate story, an alternate universe storyline, like the what if titles, but like over like an entire like, you know how they have the different X-Men and they have different timelines and the movies are different than the anyway. Well, and I'm pretty sure they do that. Uh, you can look at, in a lot of ways, the Ultimates line is like that, where it's a different interpretation of what the world would be like. Uh, you deal with a lot of alternate universe concepts in a lot of Marvel's other titles. Hell, there's a big Spider-Man thing going on right now where like all of the Spider-Men from different alternate universes are banding together because someone's trying to universe hop to like assassinate them all. Like the Gwen Stacy Spider-Man thing? Is she uh, part of that? No, uh, you know she might be. I, I know that they like pulled Spider-Man 2099 and like Spider-Man Noir and all these weird versions. That's not, I, kind of off my radar, but I, I know it's a thing since I work in a comic book shop. Spider-Man Noir is awesome. But anyway, we're talking okay. about Wolverine. Wolverine. So, 
For wait, what? Uh, what? Spider-Man Noir. I hate that vintage. <laughs> okay, so for a guy who's a loner, here's here is a list of all his team affiliations. Alpha Flight, Avengers, Avengers Unity Squad, Department H, Department K, The Hand, Horsemen of the Apocalypse, Hydra, The Jean Grey School, Landau, Luckman, and Lake. I don't know what that is. The Avengers, New Fantastic Four, Shield, Secret Defenders, Team X, Weapons Plus, a Weapon Plus, Weapons Plus. You can get great deals at Weapons Plus. <laughs> uh, Weapon X, X Force, X Men, and Extreme Sanctions exclusive. So he, he actually is a loner. He just really, really likes collecting pins. <laughs> He's got all the T-shirts. I'm antisocial, but I love a group. Okay, so Land Lando. Landau, Luckman, and Lake is the name of a fictional holding company featured in the pages of Wolverine, Uncanny X-Men, and Deadpool. Intergalactic. Interesting. It's a law, like a law it, firm. It is a law firm. All right, then. That's why it sounds like it. Huh. That's weird. So, yeah, apparently he was working with a law firm at one point or another, too. He's a paralegal. Well, <clears throat> who, do you, who do you want defending you in a court <laughs> So, when we're talking about traditional Wolverine, uh, I prepared like a small reading list just so we'd all be on the same page so we wouldn't have to go from memory especially with this older stuff uh, i know joel you have a copy of the first appearance at least a reprint and yeah i have got, a reprint of 180 and 181 and i thought it was really cool that the 180 and 181 were referred to in some of the modern stuff and we'll talk about that a little bit later but uh since you're the only one that's got a real good look at his very first appearance, you want to give us a rundown on that? Well, it's interesting because, I mean, you'll, you've got the history laid out pretty well here. But if you read it, I mean, first of all, it's it's Marvel at its kind of a low point. Um, and, you know, the, I'm not quite sure why the Hulks are lasted, to be honest. But Wolverine himself, in 180, he appears in the very last panel. So technically his first appearance is that's it. Um, he's there to fight. Uh, he's sent by the Canadian government. As their agent, Weapon X, they call him, and Wolverine, to stop Hulk and Wendigo from having this big battle royale. Because Wendigo's sister is trying to get his the curse that's made him the Wendigo over to the Hulk and make him back into a man again. And then the Hulk would be the Wendigo. Anyway, so Wolverine shows up and he tricks the Hulk into thinking they're buddies. And then he the Hulk beats up Wendigo and then he starts Wolverine starts fighting the Hulk. And he's very, you know, the character isn't fleshed out. They didn't really know what they wanted yet. Um, he's just a guy in a yellow suit with whiskers and little tiny ears. Uh, um, he's tough, but he's not the character you know today. He uh, is more French-Canadian than he is, you know, Bub, that whole bit. Uh, he's less gruff, rough, rough and tumble. He's more bouncy, jumpy around. Um, and it's just, it's kind of a shock when you read that and then you go and you read like the death of Wolverine, the most recent stuff. It's like, it's, it's completely the opposite. It's weird. So I, it's recommended reading though. I mean, if you're a fan, just to see where he started for sure. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. His, uh, <laughs> intended origin was basically to make him the Canadian superhero. Just wanted to make them this little ball of fury. From Canada, which Five is six. Oxy, that is such an oxymoron. Canadian. Well, oh. but you know they they had Captain Canuck. He's probably the most famous, like that's known over there. He's like a um, Jamaican lacrosse player. And then they had Alpha Flight, and you know, I mean, there's been some since then. But yeah, he was kind of the 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 starting point. Five foot six, little ball of dynamite. And one of the things that you always remember at the very beginning is his goofy yellow and black suit, yellow brown and black suit. Uh, John Romita. John Romita. Junior or senior, senior. Yeah. Uh, 
He's the one who de- designed the first costume, and he's the one who introduced the retract- retractable claws. Uh, in, in an interview, said, when I make a design, I want it to be practical and functional. I thought, if a man has claws like that, how does he scratch his nose or tie his shoelaces? Let alone go to the bathroom. Well, because they were considering making them part of the gloves, which isn't really practical. Yeah. And they uh, originally, uh, apparently one of the original designs they had talked about, he was more of like a hybrid before they had the hairstyle figured out and all that bit. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the other things is uh, co-creator Len Wine was interviewed because there was a thing going around on the net saying that the original, one of the original concept for Wolverine was a mutated actual Wolverine. And uh, (laughs) he... He uh, came back with saying, I've never said that. That has never been the case and completely has denied it 100%. Kind of like Rocket. <laughs> what? The, yeah, the raccoon. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought you were talking about the song. So anyway, I'll... <laughs> here we go. This is this is for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, the other cool thing about it is, well, the other thing that you remember from the costume is those huge-ass uh, peaks on his on his hood that eventually you discovered was actually his hair filled up those peaks because he has that same hairdo going on underneath there that actually came from gil kane the creator of batman yeah no, bill, it was bill kane gil huh? created batman bill bill kane created batman yeah Wait. but it was gil kane who accidentally when doing right. the oh. cover for uh x-men number one sorry made those peaks a little too big Dave Cockrum liked the accident kept that and then he was the one who drew his hairstyle in those two what is that? What do you call that? I don't know. <laughs> it's it's unique to Wolverine. Yeah, you're not going to tell him not to do it. But, right. Uh, <clears throat> That's like a coif. A coif? Really. A, <laughs> a coif. It's his pompadour. <laughs> uh, Pretty much. So did any of you actually read the Wolverine comics when you were a kid? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I read the uh, limited edition where I uh, posted the number one. It's got, it starts with that famous quote, I'm the best there is at what I do, only what I do isn't very nice. Yeah, that's the, the one with the, the cover. Frank Miller. Yes, the Frank Miller cover with him with the claws up, back, you know, doing the come here yeah. look. And that that's just iconic. I mean, that's... Uh, oh, yeah. You see that that's all over that's the like place. for the Farrah Fawcett poster of comic books. And, um, and this is this is where I have to admit that I'm not a comic book guy. I'd never read comic books when I was younger. What? Sure. So, well, sorry. I'd no, it's fine. Uh, I, I assume that you read the ones that uh, we posted this week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what was your take on the, the early stuff, especially like a... Oh, like that first issue of Wolverine One. I think the one was, with the, the the one with the Hulk. That one. No, no, he's talking about where he goes to Japan and the whole. Yeah, because I, I think it was kind of interesting because one of the movies we're going to be talking about is a virtual, complete retelling of that first issue of Wolverine, the limited series, where he goes to Japan and deals with the Silver Samurai and all that. The whole Mirapur yeah. and yeah. I, I, I sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go no, ahead. please go ahead. I was just gonna say, like, I mean, my main thing is, um, I, I really just the artwork. I was very impressed with. I mean, it's, it's difficult for me to read a comic book for some reason, just because it's like I usually, I, I figured out that I, I just, I like to, I don't like having things visualized for me. Like, if I'm reading something, I want to imagine it in my head. Oh. But the artwork, you know, was amazing. It's a lot better than I remember as a kid. Art, you know, the artwork being. So, so who was the artist in that first one? Frank Miller. Was Frank Miller? Oh yeah. And then yeah. this writer was um yeah, he Chris did, Claremont. Yeah, who did who went on to do um Excalibur. He, and Chris Claremont is the mm, he's like the the in my opinion the best Marvel writer of the like the standard writers. I mean, you've got the ones that are kind of more uh, fringy, you mm-hmm. know, like your Alan Moores that are DC or you know, your sure. Neil Gaiman's, but of the mainstream writers, Chris Claremont is by by far the best. 
in my opinion. Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree um, with you on that one because that's his his storyline and that and that Wolverine number one was really good. It really brought you in and made you understand the background of the character and why he was you know a lot of motivation for what he was while doing. still obscuring his origin <clears throat> because that, that's the it seems like every superhero one of the first things they do is they tell the origin. But with Wolverine, they decided to keep that shrouded in mystery on purpose. And they didn't even do origin until uh, 2001, 2002, which we'll end up talking about probably in the second half of the show. Origins was 2001? Yeah. yeah. Uh, they held off on it and played up the mystery behind him and the Weapon X program and his association with his nemesis Sabretooth and some of the other characters that you encounter throughout the years slowly, but always keeping like exactly how he came to be. Where did he start? That is, uh, was a secret all the way up until 2001. Hmm. I thought it was later than that. Uh, uh, I mean, they've been okay. writing his history <laughs> and it, it continually seems to be morphing and changing and growing and adding. And But I mean, considering how long he's been alive because of his healing factor, I mean. Well, they had a lot of history to write in there. And then Marvel's so um, retentive about continuity across the books that they, you know, if they're going to retroactively give Wolverine this history, they have to be able to pair it up with everything else that was going on at the same time. Like in the in during Origins, where he's fighting in World War II with Captain America, you know, he crosses paths with people all over the place. Well, and that's that's the interesting thing that you think about back in '74 when they introduced the character. The, all the, the all the things that they just casually, I'm sure, referencing without any forethought as to where they're going to go, calling him Weapon X, for example, and Wolverine, and being you know a part of the Canadian military, and then all of a sudden this becomes this huge storyline just around those three words alone. You know, those three little phrases, thoughts, whatever, building an entire storyline. It, it just it's crazy. And I'm still trying to figure out what the popularity is. I, and don't get me wrong. I like him, but I'm not, I don't get it. I've never gotten the, the fandom, the huge fandom. I think you kind of have to put him in context of the rest of the X-Men. You look at, when you think of the X-Men, you probably think of Xavier, Cyclops, and Wolverine. And Xavier sort of takes a back seat. He's more of the like Charlie of Charlie's Angels, where he's not really a part of the team most of the time. Mm -hmm. The field leaders are pretty much Wolverine and Cyclops. And let's face it, Cyclops is alternately like Boy Scout, high school quarterback, goody two shoes. (laughs) Yeah, and he's kind of a dick. And then you've got the gruff, rough and tumble, little ball of fury, chomping on his cigars, uh, like going against the authority uh, of Cyclops, character of Wolverine. And I think that era, <clears throat> that attitude of rebellion is uh, what draws a lot of people to the character at first. Everybody mm-hmm. loves an anti-hero. Right. Yeah. And he's not a one note, like, I'm just going to rebel against authority and cut things with my claws. Uh, he gets into <laughs> a love triangle with uh Cyclops and Jean Grey. Yeah. Yeah. I already had mentioned that he uh, mentors many uh, young women, including Kitty Pride, Jubilee. And in the films, we saw him do that again with Rogue. Yeah. Just just like Ernie McCracken. <laughs> what? Mentoring all kinds of young women. I'm not then, I'm not Googling that name. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about, but it's not in a sexual <laughs> way. Anyway. Was that a sports thing? No, that was Kingpin. Bill Murray's character, Ernie McCracken. Oh, oh okay. Uh, I was about to say Kingpin. Kingpin's Wilton Fisk. (laughs) (laughs) 
the... <laughs> he, Pat doesn't know why he's laughing. He doesn't know who no, Wilton no, Fisk is. Kingpin, if that's the name of the guy from the yeah. comic books. I, I'm not dumb. I just don't read them. <laughs> well, okay. No, you're dumb because you don't read them. Not, oh, I'm just saying it's wrong. not unco- uncommon for you to just have random laughter from you. Oh, no, sure. that's <laughs> definitely not uncommon. Yeah. Sure. So. <clears throat> could have been laughing at this empty milk bottle. I don't know. No. Anyway, but even beyond the, <laughs> the, the, the X-Men and, and putting him in that light, I mean, he's... He is hands down, I mean, outside of maybe Spider-Man, one of the most popular Marvel characters ever. Well, I think I think in the whole idea like like Josh has where he has all these different things going on, it's one of the things about him is that you're never really entirely sure what his motivation for what his what he's doing is. Yeah, and I think Joel really hit uh, a correct note where every time when they first wrote the character, they did these vague sketches and left some details. And later writers came back over and said, well, what if we fleshed out this detail to say, okay, now Weapon X wasn't just his name, but it was a whole program. And there were these other people. And that's where you end up getting some of the other characters in his background. That's where you end up through the Weapon X program getting like Lady Deathstrike even. And uh, they go back and it's like, well, he's really old if he's uh, got his this healing factor. How long has he been around? Oh, yeah, let's let's say he's been around since World War Two. Maybe he teamed up with Captain America and eventually right. they revealed that he did that. I'm trying so. to think of the the he's like the the lovable bad boy, I guess is kind of where you're going. Like the guy that, you know, is is bad news, but, you know, his heart's in the right place. in in a lot of cases, for example, the, the storyline in. In the first issue of the Frank Miller miniseries, you know, he, he's out and you think he's hunting a bear and then it turns out and they they retold it in the Wolverine movie. But he's actually hunting down the bear to kill it because it's gone crazy from the poisonous arrow that's shot by the hunter that's a jack off. And so he goes to find the hunter and confronts him for, you know, harming the animal that he had to then kill because the guy was being a jackass. So, you know, it, sometimes you just got to die. Right. I don't know. It's <laughs> it's an interesting phenomenon that I guess. I, I I got and I liked, but I never quite sunk into it like some people. I mean, some people are just obsessed, you know. I really didn't start reading, just a total disclosure on this, I didn't really start reading Wolverine comics until... until Two days ago. Well, until Origins. I was I was never that big of a Wolverine fan. In fact, my first couple comics I was, was ElfQuest and uh, Excalibur. <laughs> Shut up. And Pat, you're surprised. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Archie... No, but yeah. I could see I could see you reading Excalibur and Elfquest. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Those are good books. I, I read Excalibur. The only comics I had, I had two uh, Creep Show comics. That was it. That's respectable. Yeah. And he bought them when the day they came out. He stole them from stole fair them. and square. Yeah, I did steal them. That's hundred percent correct. No, I know. That's I. I figured as much. Knowing Pat's background as Weapon X, um, <laughs> but uh, see, I read it as a as a kid when I was collecting comics. Um, I collected the the Wolverine series that started. Many years after the the four part series, um, I read X Men, X Force, X Factor, all the X books. And once I met my buddy Matt, you all know Matt. Um, that's his that's his guy. Wolverine is his his character. He loves Wolverine with passion. So you know, I, I spent a lot that. of time with Wolverine. Jumps. Exactly, I spent a lot of time with Wolverine because of Matt. And so I became ensconced in all things Wolverine. You know. Because I was had him around constantly, you know. I know a lot about him, and I read a lot about him, but I just never. Yeah, and I've always been a Marvel guy, but yeah. uh, I, I really got into comics in the '90s. And while I was mostly into the supernatural titles, the you have your Ghost Rider, Doctor Strange, Morbius, uh, 
Morbius, The Living Vampire, all of the Midnight Suns titles. If you were into comics in the 90s, you couldn't get away from Cable, Punisher, and Wolverine. They were everywhere. Oh, yeah. True story. With their huge torsos and... Oh, okay. It was more cable, but yeah. we got some of that art style uh, moving on to the next item in the uh, reading that we did was another landmark issue. Since we're talking about the 90s anyway, mm-hmm. in X-Men, the X-Men confront Magneto and Magneto and Wolverine square off. And Magneto's reaction is to rip the Admantium skeleton out of Wolverine entirely. And for the first time, we learn that Wolverine's claws aren't an implant, but he was born with them. And that his powers are the claws he was born with and his healing factor, but all of the adamantium metal was part of the weapon X. That's that was creepy. But those the first time you see the claws come out and they've got the the little joints in them and all that. That drove me nuts. I hated that part. I hated that story arc. I really what? did. Well, and that whole issue was crazy because there's so much going on. Like they're trying to keep his mind from ripping itself apart from pain. They're trying to keep his heart from failing while the jet is re-entering orbit and it's about to crash. The whole time, Cyclops, yeah. uh, not Cyclops, um, Jean Grey is jumping between keeping Wolverine from imploding on himself and then keeping the plane from falling apart in midair. Yeah, I have, I, I have no idea. I no problem with the 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 idea behind it, but the actual. I don't know. I, and there was that whole series of issues where he had the bone claws and it just, I, for whatever reason, it just turned me off big time. I think it was also who was doing the art at the time, which I'm trying to remember now who it was, but was not a fan. I mean, you, you, I mean, you do have to admit, honestly, the idea of bone claws is kind of stupid. I mean, sorry. Well, your bones are hollow, effectively. I mean, there's, there's the air pockets in there. Well, not to mention, I mean, if... If you have if you have bone claws that stick out of your hand and your bones get covered in adamantium, then the bone the bone claws are they're they're not going to be like like thin and super sharp and everything like they are like it, it's ridiculous to say that underneath those claws of his that stick out and look all normal and everything that there's bone that you know looks the way it does in the movies because those bones won't fit inside of his razor claws is what I'm saying. Oh, uh, guess that's a perspective issue. Is where I guess what they're trying to say is that. The claws are thicker than you think they are, but they have been sharpened to this razor sharp point. But I, I get what you're saying. Like proportion wise, right. the claws look more like knife blades and the bones look more like bones. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So having something cylindrical inside a knife blade shape doesn't work very well. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you for explaining that. But I don't know. It looked really badass. It looked fine. Uh, aside from some of the art choices, that that book was incredibly 1990s. Yeah. With everybody with the big torsos, the incredibly detailed giant hair. Mar- I just don't like Mark Liefeld. Rob Liefeld? Rob Liefeld. Mark Liefeld is brother. I don't like him either. <laughs> yeah. The whole Liefeld it's family. Fine. Screw you like guys. Brother at all. Yeah. The whole Liefeld family. Just go to hell. Yeah, no, I yeah. I mean, it, I bought some of the books. I mean, it was, like you said, Josh, you could not avoid having to get some of them if you wanted to keep up with the plot line of anything that was going on. Well, and Liefeld's one of those guys that we could do a whole show on just because he, he came in, he was the darling for a long time and used that to segue into his own comic book company. But boy, he's become the pariah of that era. I mean, people hate. I mean, I had a friend in high school that styled his art after him and... You know, I don't he's, know. He's unemployed. Well, he's not an artist. I mean, he's not an artist uh, like that. But 
Well, and it looks like the cover of this issue uh, that we're talking about, it's the follow-up, the aftermath of the claws being ripped out. This is a Wolverine Volume 2, uh, Issue 75. It looks like the cover wasn't Liefeld. It was Adam Kubert. Who is uh, a respectable artist. Yeah, I like the Kuberts. The whole, I mean, their family I like. Yes. <laughs> Which I can say that because his whole damn family is in. Yes. So, uh, and Romita's. Yeah, and Adam Kubert is the penciler in the interior as well for this Nightmares Persist, as the issue is called. And you can see as they're going into Wolverine's mind, you've got the same characters there. Uh, you've got uh, Sabretooth. You've got Lady Deathstrike. Uh, he's thinking a lot about Gene. A lot of um, well, a lot of the motivation and problems that he has with uh, with things goes back to the whole situation with Gene and uh, and Cyclops too. So. When the the Dark Phoenix saga kind of took its toll on everybody. Yeah, sure. Well, and uh, to be fair, Jean never really treated Logan very well. She uh, uh, like shared that she had feelings for him, led him on, but did, uh, never broke it off with Cyclops. Just continually strung Logan on through these like 1980s, 1990s, and uh, and forward. And I think they replicated that in the modern retellings of these stories, like in the films. I mean, they, they you know, they kind of had to do some broad strokes with things. But, yeah, I think you're right. And and before we and I, I don't know how close we are to the break, but I do want to mention and without getting into the actual movies, I remember one of the big conversations that was brought up many times growing up with my comic book nerd friends uh, was the, the whole concept of an X-Men movie, which, of course, back then. Uh, knowing what we know about the movies of the time for comic books, it would have been the kiss of death of any of the characters that went in there. Sure. Um, But we used to sit around and be like, all right, so who's going to play this and who's going to play that? And I I have to say out of everybody in the cast, Wolverine was always the hardest one because knowing how old he was at that point, not literally, but knowing how long he's been around in the grand scheme of things, the character, the size, how tall he is, his kind of the voice that you imagine when you read it. It's really hard to, to pinpoint who to play that character prior to what we know now. And I think, I think the one person that we kept coming back to was at the time, anyway, Clint Eastwood, which would have been ridiculous in hindsight, but well, you know, he's got the right attitude, the right swagger. Yeah. He had the voice, right? Yeah. Cause I think we all kind of picture that in our head, right? I mean, kind of that bub, you know, that kind of get off my lawn kind of Clint Eastwood. Right. Make, mm-hmm. make my day. Exactly. That's exactly how I would read Wolverine. When I read his voice, I read him as Clint Eastwood and Dirty Harry. The voice of the guy who's been drinking whiskey and smoking cigars for 200 years. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And and I think it fits. But, you know, trying to actually get an actor in the mid 90s, early 90s that was logical to play that part. it, It was pretty hard, but it was fun to talk about. Well, especially back then when, you know, your comic book movies were the that first horrendous uh, Captain America movie. No offense, uh, Brian, but Tommy the Duck or Howard the Duck. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Yeah. Damn it. Um, the original Dolph Lundgren Punisher movie. Oh. Um, the, the Fantastic Four <clears throat> abomination. Right. I mean, back then, if you made a comic book movie, unless it was Batman, Tim Burton's Batman, which even now is kind of doesn't hold up real well, you know, there there wasn't. People weren't doing it. And so to try and think to make bring Wolverine to the screen, I'm just I'm I kind of am nauseous just thinking about what that would have looked like. I mean, the car, the cartoon was bad enough and I'm going to get hate mail for that. But well, and it's interesting that like you look at the X-Men as probably the first big movie that brought Marvel films into the forefront. But right now I, I disagree with that statement. <laughs> 
Okay. I, I mean, the numbers support that statement. Blade. The thing is, is lots and lots of people like the Blade movie, and probably eighty to ninety percent of them had no idea that he was a Marvel character. Yeah, no, I never I knew. Think, it. I think I think he started the 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 so, possibility that it could be a viable. Anyway, we're not talking about that. Go well, ahead. No, it's that, it's that, after that, they went, didn't know there was a Marvel character until just right now. Yeah, we really? we talked about it uh, in the course of uh, the show, but that's that's kind of my point. Is like even though a lot of people look at that as the beginning of now, comic book movies are a thing. I think uh, there's a perception that X Men could have been done better if it was handled by the team that is currently running the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh yeah. And, I think that'd be pretty awesome to see, like, uh, the Avengers, that whole MCU team, t- uh, have their take on the character and their shot at X-Men. Who would you cast as him now? We maybe talk about that in the next segment. Cause well, all right, then. I, sure. I, the, the X-Men movies, yeah. So we want to take a quick break and then talk about the movies and then Original Sin and Death of Wolverine? That sounds good. Sweet. Awesome. So we're a break, and we'll be back in a little bit. Hulk 180, then 181, your tail had begun, those big hairy arms, you can't be harmed, smoke cigars, you're short on charm, adamantium claws and skeleton, named Logan, Canadian, your secret past, you have no clue. Best that there is at what you do. Don't let your rage grow high, Wolverine. Wolverine. You join with the team, giant size X Men 1. Written by Ween, art by Cockrum. Cyclops in the lead. Hello, folks. We're back, and uh, we are going to talk about Wolverine now. <clears throat> he becomes a touching and caring person. Wait, what? What? No? Do we what? watch something different? More snicked bub, less cigar. Not yeah. no cigar, but less. Just less cigar. Just less. Yeah. So, we'll let's start with year 2000, movie X-Men. I gotta admit, like, before I sat down to watch the X-Men movie the first time, I was like, this is going to succeed or fail based on how good the guy they get to play Wolverine does. And they nailed it. Yeah, I mean, Hugh Jackman, uh, despite being like six and a half feet tall or something crazy. He's 6'2", I think. Yeah, Mm -hmm. he's, for a a character that's supposed to be tiny. Five foot six. I mean, he's become Wolverine. Uh, I think that uh, Wolverine's appearance in the comics has recently been uh, adjusting to look more and more like Hugh Jackman. Because yeah, you almost can't think about the character anymore without picturing Hugh Jackman. No, and yeah, much. Hugh he's Jackman is yeah. slowly becoming Wolverine. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird kind of phenomenon where they're kind of slowly crossing into each other. <laughs> sexy. No, I'm well, I mean, well, you, there's that that picture that came up not too long ago of uh, Wolverine then and Wolverine now, and yeah, him him in the first movie versus him now. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah, because he's been deadlifting the last like five ten years and just getting huge. Well, he's doing an amazing job at it too, because he when you I mean he looked like a badass in the first X Men movie, but when you look at him compared to the way he looked in the Wolverine, <clears throat> it's like night and day. Yeah, yeah. 
I won't lie. I think he looks good. All right. So before we jump back into comic books, let's let's hit the highlights of the movies. X Men. I liked it. It was okay. There were some things I, I thought that uh, Storm could have been better, and they had goofy stuff like with the whole like shocking a toad. Yeah. <laughs> you know what happens to a toad in bad weather or whatever when lightning strikes when, it. When lightning strikes it. Yeah. 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 I mean that was weird, but overall, like the casting was good. Uh, the action was good, and then they come out with X two, and they're just like, okay, we've done our origin story now we're gonna tell a straight up superhero action adventure and it was really good yeah i was i was really impressed that they took the amount of time that they did to make everything look as good as it did i was just gonna say i don't know if you've seen the deleted scene with the yellow costume no but uh they filmed a shot of like his yellow costume in like a briefcase and it it wouldn't look badass on him but like just in a briefcase it actually looked pretty cool nice i I was just looking at the casting here and and i want to go back to um something we talked about earlier which was when we used to cast the movie uh, the one thing that that was always static was patrick stewart was going to be professor xavier i mean he was born to play that role just like i think ultimately ian mckellen was born to play magneto and Gandalf. Well, I'm I'm just talking about in the, this movie, right? No, he's he is Gandalf, but in this movie, he he. I mean, he's one of the reasons that I like the the movies. I, I'm not a fan of the X Men series of films across the board, but I I like Ian McKellen's portrayal of Magneto, and he's the one reason I keep coming back. Good. I was just gonna say, I kind of wish they would would have done the origin story with Magneto, like they were talking about when they started doing when they did the X Men Origins Wolverine movie. Hmm. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say one of the things I liked about the first X-Men movie is they kept that conflict between, um, uh, whatchamacallit, between Cyclops. Wolverine and Cyclops. And I, I don't know, I think one of the, my favorite scenes in the whole movie is when they're not sure whether or not um, Mystique is copying them. It's like, tell him, you know, is this you? Yeah, it's me. Well, how do I know? You're a dick. It's <laughs> just like. <laughs> yeah, that is a that is a good scene. And, and James Marsden is is really, I think, portrays Cyclops in the right way. He's the right level of Boy Scout and dick. Mm-hmm. Well, he's pretty pretentious. Got that pretentious, egotistical thing going on with that. But he did a great job. Like, I'm the leader because Professor X says so and you're going to deal with it. Yeah. And yeah. If you're a Scott Summers fan, you're probably not a huge fan of the presentation of the character. But, I mean, to be fair, there's a lot of criticisms of Scott Summers as a character and as a person, even as a, like a fictional person. Well, I think he did a good job in playing him just because you didn't like him near the at the end of the movie. I'm just saying, like, in the comic books, you can kind of see the other side <laughs> mm. of the character. Even if you come down, like I do, on the verdict of uh, Scott Summers is a dick, he does have that second side to him where you can kind of see where he's coming from. And that side maybe doesn't translate to the screen. Mm-hmm. You don't get too much inner monologue in these. Right. Wow. One of the nice things about the X-Men movies, though, is that they're just actually mostly really well done movies. You know, I mean, it, it was kind of the beginning of, of superhero movies being able to be ta- being taken seriously by the masses. Well, yeah. I mean, well, they got some – they had Brian Singer doing the first X, two X-Men movies, and he did First Class also, which were all very good movies. Yeah, and then you get to X3 and Wolverine Origins, and things get a little sketchy. X3 is, is horrible. Now, I wanted to ask you guys' opinion real quick before, you, before we get past X2. What did you think of Alan Cummings' portrayal of Nightcrawler? It was fine. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. I just didn't – I I <clears throat> don't recall Nightcrawler ever having all those runes and stuff in his face in the comics, though. That was kind of weird, but I thought he did a good job. Yeah, I didn't I didn't quite understand that part of it. I thought he was the right choice for the character, but I yeah, I never got that addition 
that they, I didn't think that was necessary, but I mean, they introduced a lot of new characters then. And, and anyway, so X3 was just complete garbage. That was the one with the assault on the prison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was trash. The juggernaut and all of the cars being thrown at people. Weird mutants that weren't in the comics for no reason. Like one of the mutants' mutant powers basically moving the plot along. <laughs> what was that one? I can't remember her name. The Last but... Stand. Yeah. Yeah, because they were thinking it would be the last one they were going to make because it was so terrible. Um, I don't know. I'm talking about the, the, what, what character are you talking about that was cre- Oh, he made a joke. No, well, but the character I'm speaking of uh, had the mutant ability to sense other mutants, which was just like... Oh, yeah, that whole thing, yeah, yeah, that they found at the meeting or whatever. Yeah, Yeah, it was a character that they invented because they're like, okay, we don't know how to move this plot along, and the bad guys don't have control of Cerebro, so we'll just make a character that does the same thing, basically. Mm -hmm. Well, my my biggest disappointment with this movie was, well, I... First of all, they introduced Kitty Pride in, in X2, and then they switched to Ellen Page for X3, which is fine. I mean, I like I like Ellen Page, and she would make a, a fine Kitty Pride, although she didn't play the character as I imagined her in my head. Angel, who is probably my favorite X-Men uh, slash Archangel, I, I love Ben Foster, but the character is an afterthought in the movie. I mean, he's he's there to carry the story along because he's tied into it directly, but at the same time... He's one of the founding members of the X-Men. Give him a little more credit. I don't know. Give him a little more screen time. I, yeah, I was a little I was a little upset. I was like, well, I would because I, I was excited when I heard he was going to be in it. I'm like, oh, Ben Foster is great. You know, I'd love to see that. And then they just kind of he was just kind of there. And I was like, Meh. Um, well, what? A, go ahead. Since we are talking specifically about Wolverine, one of the things I do want to kind of get back to is one the one bright point. Oh, yeah. Wolverine. Sorry. <laughs> is uh, that they were able to focus on his conflicted feelings for Gene and the guilt over what he ends up having to do at the end. And while the ending was kind of botched, I think it's cool that some of the movies that came after had him dealing with the consequence of that ending, with him having to take her out. Oh, the, because like, he's the only one who could in the Wolverine. Well, in yeah, particular, X3. in the Wolverine, yeah. they dealt with the end of X three, where he had to kill Jean Grey. I like the fact that they chose uh, Anna Paquin for uh, Rogue. What does that have to do with what he's talking about? We're talking about women in his life. Weren't we talking about that? I don't think so. <laughs> Not really, but no. no. Okay. All right. In that case, I retract my statement. <laughs> Snicked. I like cake. <laughs> Weren't we think, talking about cake? <laughs> I think Kelsey Grammer was awkward as Beast. Really? Okay. Anyway, so Wolverine. Yeah, no, I I think that's the one consistent thing. I think uh, if I counted right, he's played, Hugh Jackman has played him in seven films now. Um, mm-hmm. Even if it was just the cameo in X-Men First Class, he still was there. Uh, I think he he's the only consistent line, string uh, throughout every single X-Men related title that's come out that's been the same and something you can always count on to be solid. Well, and did you guys see X-Men, uh, uh, sorry, Wolverine Origin? Yes. Yeah, I, I, I own all of them except the most recent one because it's not out yet. Yeah, it's, I honestly think it's worse than X3. Uh, I disagree because I think, um, although I think Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool, as much as I think he'd be great for the character, they, they destroyed the character with the way they designed him. Um, I think uh, Liev Schreiber's Sabretooth was superior to to. Uh, Tyler Maine and I and I like Tyler Maine, but I think his portrayal was was better. He's also, just a better actor. And I think that between him and 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 Wolverine, it was it was just a fun popcorn movie. I thought it was better done than the next three, honestly, because there was less to mess up. 
Well, I think it drifted even further away from the comics. True. Uh, they uh, were less consistent internally throughout just the X series. Like I even say, okay, comics are comics and movies are movies. The decisions they made seemingly at random about where they placed characters in terms of Wolverine's life, like where they placed Gambit, uh, had consequences for the rest of the X franchise that were worse, in my opinion, than anything that uh, came out of X3. I could I could see that in, in that terms, yes. But as far as the, the watchability of the movie, I would disagree. But no, I see what you're saying, and that makes that does make sense. I mean, I think that without how bad Origins was, they wouldn't have had to do the cosmic reset of Days of Future Past, where they're basically, Days of Future Past starts out really cool and ends up kind of like Wayne and Garth going, <laughs> I still haven't seen it, so yeah, Future Past I haven't seen. See, and, and yeah, what I've from what I've heard from fans of that I that I trust that they said that is they said it was phenomenal, and I I thought First Class outside of there being no Wolverine in it um, was the best of all of the movies that I've seen so far, uh, and the fact that they were smushing the original with that kind of made me go boy. And that Brian Singer was back directing again made me nervous. See, and then we have the kind of pseudo sequel to Wolverine Origins, The Wolverine. And I, for just my personal preference, aside from maybe X2, this was my favorite because it's a straight up retelling of the issue we read for the show that uh, volume one, issue one, where mm. it's the Wolverine Japan cycle. And they do it pretty much straight down. They they uh, do a couple of different things with the Silver Samurai. And yeah. I might take issue with their portrayal of Viper slash Lady Hydra. Mm-hmm. But aside from her being a little less clever than she should have been, um, I thought this was a really, really good movie. I don't know if everybody saw it. I saw it, and I agree with you on it. I liked the fact that they spent a lot of time. They spent a lot of time making sure that they got the little details, even down to the fact that the uh, family's house, the uh, corporate headquarters where they had the final battle in, was exactly taken out of the comics yeah i mean down down i mean i i didn't realize that until i reread the comic uh that you had that you know that we read for the for it and i noticed that you know that that picture that they tack up on the wall where they have come getter written on it there's that picture of the building and it's almost identical to the picture that's in the uh in the comic book you know what i think about this one when i watched it was it, it, it's a standalone movie. You don't have to watch any of the other X-Men films to understand it and to get it and to enjoy it. It, it kind of stands alone amongst all the other films in the franchise. And uh, I don't know that I agree with that, considering how hardcore they push his guilt over killing Jean Grey. There's a little context you miss there if you haven't seen X3. But if you walked into it, you'd had nothing to knew nothing about anything. You could enjoy the movie. Sure. I mean, you could get that from context that there was this woman called Jean that he's messed up about having killed for some reason. I just don't think it's as neatly self-contained as where I would call it standalone. I don't know. I've heard somebody say that the, the movies have gotten better in in se- sequence, like they're getting better and better each time they come out with another movie. So I don't know. But anyway, yeah, no, I thought and I think Hugh Jackman at this point and he said it verbally that, you know, it's it's one of his favorite characters to play and he'll play it as long as he can. 
Um, and he's proved that by <laughs> doing every single movie and side project and everything else. Oh, yeah. He's in every single video game that has come out that even has anything to do with the X-Men or him. He does the voice of uh, Wolverine. And what's awesome is they can have him play Logan for many, many years because at different times you've even had uh, Wolverine as old man Logan mm-hmm. where he's uh, aged physically to the point where even when Hugh Jackman starts getting up in years, he'll still be able to play the character. And just the old man Logan take on it, which will be awesome, <laughs> which I think that's part of the reason that the character works so well with him in the in the role is that he has a genuine love of the character and wanted to be that character and his happy playing it to the hilt. I mean, that versus other actors like Chris Evans, <clears throat> who said that, you know, he he feels that there's no room to grow as Captain America. Well, obviously, it's it's possible. And maybe Captain America isn't as in depth, but Hugh Jackman seems to continually prove that point. All right, so do we uh, have anything else to say about the movies, Pat? Movies. I mean, I <clears throat> I've pretty much uh, seen I've seen all the X Men stuff in the movies except for the, the except for the Wolverine and the Days of Future Past, and I've enjoyed them all. So I mean, I think I think Hugh Jackman does a great job. Honestly, I mean, I don't really have much to add that you guys haven't already said. Unfortunately, because I mean, you guys have pretty much covered it all. But I mean, coming from a, a non-comic book standpoint, I mean, you know, some of we we all grew up with the characters. I mean, I've even known who the Wolverine is, and I, without even reading comic books before the X book movies, X Men movies even came out. So I mean, that's how iconic the character is. I knew who he was. <laughs> yeah, you probably could have listed his powers and a few things about him, despite never having picked up an X Men comic. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, even before the movies came out. Yeah. What's his him name? And, him and Professor X. That's pretty much uh, the only two that I would have known before the movies. All right. So uh, we ready to talk about Origin? Yes. The comic, sure. not the movie. Uh, Origin, there was a prelude because I actually have Origin as a trade paperback. And in the prelude, they talk about how this is the big story in a lot of ways. Like uh, the guy who wrote this, when they talked about doing this as a book, it's like you only get one shot at this. And if you screw it up, it's a really big deal because for decades they'd been teasing hey, nobody knows where this character has come from. He doesn't know where he's come from. And they're going to tell it as a period piece back when he was a kid in Canada. Because they'd been building it up for, like you said, for decades that, you know, nobody knows who he is and what he is. And it's such an integral part of his, like, whole identity and being that he doesn't know who he is. So it was such a huge thing that they were going to give it away. Yeah, Yeah, and this six-issue limited series... uh, I honestly think is some of the best work you're going to see in all of Marvel. The art is amazing, and there's a couple of big reveals. Um, I assume we all read all six parts? Yes. Yep, yep. Hit it. So I'll let somebody else talk a little bit about it. Just jump right I, in. <laughs> well, <laughs> anyone? I, no, I'm, I'm, you know, I... Not the origin I was expecting. I'll say I the the turnabout during the uh, the on the last uh, or the where his parents get killed. Well, quote unquote parents get killed. Where I was not expecting when I first read it, the sickly boy that's the you know his mom and dad own the land to be the one who sprouts the claws. Yeah, because they really kind of uh, threw that red herring at you. Where there's the gruff kid named Logan who's got a drunk father who beats him, looks a little bit like you might imagine 
Wolverine as a kid. Mm-hmm. Right. And, I was and thinking and his the father same thing. looks just like Wolverine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking the same thing as the whole time. <laughs> and they uh, caught me so flat when that first big reveal, the jaw drop, when James Howlett, the sickly little kid, has got his claws popped and his arms are bleeding and his parents are dead. Yeah. That, I mean... And to again to just such a dichotomy between what the character started at and what the character becomes and just a reaction to the family. You know, I mean, he gets completely the mom when this happens to him. You'd expect to be, oh, son, what happened to you? You know, oh, here, let me try and help you. She's like, get the hell away from me, you freak. Right. And you could tell there is something like once you know what the trick is, you can go back and you can see that the way the family treats the kid, it makes sense if they know that there's something unusual about him Mm. and that he's somehow dangerous. Right. I agree with that. Yeah, because I mean, it was pretty clear when he when when that happened that she knew something was up. She wasn't surprised by it. She was just like, you know, oh, I've been dreading this day kind of thing. Right. Well, and it, it just kind of as a whole, I mean, it's it's a huge risk to <clears throat> take a character like that. And I don't know, the whole thing just was kind of shocking because I was expecting it to be like all about Wolverine, the, the, the character we know. And here's this whole I don't know. Uh, it was a little hard for me to read at first because I didn't know what I, what was going on. Well, it's like it's what Josh said it was. It was a period piece. Yeah, yeah. and I didn't realize that, that when, it, when I was first reading it. I was I was very confused because it, it just it wasn't exal- at all what I was expecting, and it took me a while to realize. Okay, yeah, I'm reading the right thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, and yeah. the artwork too. I mean, the artwork. I mean, they obviously took a lot of time <clears throat> and love because they knew it was you know their biggest one of their biggest properties. So they couldn't mess it up. You know, they couldn't just. It was definitely very visually stunning. Ham fist it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then after he flees with Rose away from the scene of the crime, we start to see him become forging himself one bit at a time from the sickly little boy into the character we know. Uh, from his feral running with the wolves to his working with the lumberjacks, uh, we can kind of see little shadows of what he's going to be. Mm-hmm. And you kind of see him heading towards the tragedy that's going to cause him to like block out who and what he is. Until you get the conclusion where it's not explicitly stated that Dog is Victor Creed slash Sabretooth, but it's heavily implied. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if that was the same character. Uh, they, throughout the history, I, I don't think it has ever been explicit whether or not Dog is is supposed to be Sabretooth or not. I know that the writer wanted to leave it ambiguous, but in his mind, he kind of thought Dog was Creed. So I don't know. Overall, what were your guys' impressions? I'm obviously well, head over heels. Oh, I think it's amazing. I mean, again, I, with the art and the it, the watercolor, almost oil painting-ish style of the art, I like the transition that seems to have happened in comics recently where they're taking a lot more time with making sure that the, the frames look good versus the, the Bam Pow Biff comics of when we were growing up i mean it's they're becoming more artistic over then to then to now especially if you look from like wolverine number one had a great story but compare the art from the wolverine number one to origins and it's night and day joel you sounded eager to jump in there oh no well i have a problem with some of the modern comic book art but that's a different story i uh I, I, the art was beautiful, but I was just wondering, and this is just something I was thinking about as I was kind of, I'm flipping back through it a little bit as we're talking. Um, I wonder if the, I, the thought process with the original way that they stole the t- 
told the story with the red herring and the actual person that he was at the beginning, if that kind of explains how now in the modern, he, yeah, he may be this feral, occasionally berserker, gruff, loner, tough guy, but yet he's, you know, he's still fostering the younglings. You know, he still has a good heart at the at the root of everything. Um, and I wonder if that kind of is why they went that route to some extent. So he had that foundation, even though he kind of lost a lot of it. You know, does that make sense? Uh, it makes a lot of sense. And I think in a lot of ways there he's replaying his childhood traumas over and over again. The uh, young women he failed to protect the uh, redhead whose love was forever out of reach. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy who's just like him, but a little bigger and stronger, who's hounding his every step. Like his whole life, he's just going over and over and over again through what he grew up, kind of replaying that same drama and that same tragedy. I can't See, even imagine what the continuity and storyline, like the dry erase board that they had to write all this on must have looked like. <laughs> See, and you got to think about it. You're taking all these loose pieces of string mm-hmm. that are all tied together in the bigger scheme of things, but you're trying to put together the before and somehow make it all make sense. So you're right. I mean, just just the the planning of that had to be kind of crazy. I mean, you have to really know the character in order to be able to, to put all those little things together. And they did. I mean, it was very, I mean, it's a great book. Yeah, I liked it too. I mean, it's just like, the, like I said, the artwork is really good. It's just, just, you know, for me, it's just hard to read a comic book because I'm just not used to it. So it just, it's, it was, it was very disjointing trying to read a story. So you're and, waiting for the novelization. Well, yeah, I mean, kind of, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, I mean, there's, there's just like things I'm not used to in storytelling uh, in a comic book. It's like just giant jumps in time. I kept like thinking I missed a page or something. You know? Yeah, that happens a lot. Where it's like you, if you're not paying attention to like the back ground and things like that it's like knowing that the what the seasons have just changed you know then you realize that's been like three to six months since the last right. time and it's you like, talked you know, to i'm him. just not used to you know looking for those types of cues so it would, but other than that it was i mean it was very interesting all right and then uh kind of moving towards his inevitable demise which uh at the time of this recording we don't know exactly how it happens though uh in death of wolverine it starts with him dying in his flashback but before that we've got the original sin that wraps up a few loose ends going all the way back to the key moments in the character's life we've got uh retelling of the story from his first appearance in the hulk comics uh a little bit of touching on his origin with his son and how Xavier basically invaded his mind, ripped him to pieces and rebuilt him to be a weapon for the X-Men and their kind of shared guilt over that whole experience. This was a really interesting uh, original sin kind of was a summer event that dealt with a bunch of secrets leaking their way out. And everyone has something that they're not proud of that they've done. And they went into this is not only a uh, Logan story, but it's also a Charles Xavier story. Mm-hmm. Well, and it was interesting having read the original um, 180 and 181 to see it retold, but more from Wolverine's perspective than the Hulk's because, you know, the, the Hulk comic, it's the Hulk. So you're focused on the Hulk and they, you know, they definitely made the character more what he is now in terms of personality and, and everything. But, you know, they still stayed true to kind of what happened overall in the story, which I thought was was good, you know, important. Yeah, of course, the writers for this series have the advantage where they know all the history. They know how the pieces fit together. 
And they just, it almost feels both in Original Sin and in the two issues that are out of Death of Wolverine that we're doing a farewell tour for the character. We're revisiting all the old haunts. We're uh, replaying all the old associations and really examining those relationships. So after he dies, they're going to be able to show how those people's lives are shattered. Right. That's that, I couldn't have said it better. Was this one a little easier for you to follow, Pat? I actually have made a decision to wait until all four are out to read it because I'm. Oh, no, he's talking about original <laughs> sin. Oh, that one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I like that one a lot. Actually, it was, sorry, I thought you were talking about the death of. of I apologize. No, 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 not at all. I mean, it, the, one kind of feeds into the other. Although uh, the actual time where he loses his healing factor to set himself up for the death isn't in original sin. It's actually in like the main titles. Uh, but I thought it was really cool that uh, you don't need to know a whole lot about the history of the character to pick up what's going on. The only thing that was a little weird is knowing that Mr. Sinister, basically when he died, had to transfer his consciousness into like a female young clone of himself, <laughs> Miss Sinister, who was one of the uh, villains in the original Sin. Don't act like that's never happened to you. <laughs> right? <laughs> Not today. But stylistically, I mean, it was just, it was just the, I, I thought the best looking one out of all of them. I liked how, like, you know, sometimes, like, the frames would be inside of a bigger frame and, like, the way they just played around with, I mean, it was, I thought it was just a really beautiful one. And, it, like, one of the things I noticed in the thumbnail, the, the reader I was using, the thumbnails on the left hand side, like, you could definitely just scrolling down that, you could definitely see how they flow the colors throughout the whole thing. Like, there'll be a whole section of red, then a whole section of blue. And it was just stylistically, they're really pretty. Yeah. For me, this was more what I think of in terms of what, good comic book art should be where it's it can be what it was in or in origins but there's a big push now with like the the, the spider-man titles the one i don't know i saw one of the graphic novels at your house mike actually and i was like wholly un, underwhelmed but anyway what I, I i loved it one you had one of the your i think katie was reading one of the spider-man books oh okay yeah like one, one of my favorite pictures in that whole the origins one is the one where he's holding up his claws and you can see the guy's reflection in the claws and, and his face it's a really cool picture yeah and that uh, a reversal of the traditional roles between him and charles where charles is always the mentor the leader the guy in charge and this entire time logan is taking no shit from charles whether it's uh who's calling the shots about what they're going to do who is going to be the adult in the who's taking emotional responsibility for their shared history at all times like the mentor student relationship almost seems to have flipped in original sin mm -hmm. now i did not know until original sin and then doing some more reading after the the whole storyline arc about his son and i i don't know how i feel about him no i did find a funny fact that he was his son was Dokken was voted like one of five sexiest Marvel superheroes. Which <laughs> That's I thought was interesting. Weird. Kind of but I mean, what do you guys think about that? Because I just, I, I really have a hard time with that for whatever reason. I just, I think it's like. You have a hard time with how sexy he is? No, it's like jumping the shark to me. The character is like, like they jumped the shark. Like, okay, so here's the son. He's got similar powers. He's got claws that are bones that he can eject from his knuckles, you know, and he's, but he's a bad guy. Well, I mean, you, you got to figure the character's been around since the turn of the century, basically. And he has had all these romances and they wanted to answer the question. It's like, well, did he have a kid at any point? And the answer turned out to be yes, because that's the more interesting choice to tell a story about than answering that question with a no. And it's like, well, if he didn't, if he had this kid 
for all these years, why didn't he know about it? And the most interesting answer is because a bad guy has been training this kid and he's been kind of off to the side for a long time. And they got to answer one of these questions where if what would have happened if Wolverine had been raised by someone with less good intentions than Charles Xavier? But, but he, he had I'm sorry, he had uh, a bunch of other kids, though. Well, in the, there's in that what, yeah. a whole hell subplot or whatever. Didn't he? Right. Have all, yeah. yeah. All of his kids that are. Well, but uh, but the, 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 I guess my point is, is that you've seen other people have superheroes have kids and it seems to me like they didn't have the same superpower or the same same mutant ability. And so that's the part I think that kind of like it's like they're trying to cash in on on the character with a similar character. I suppose it's fair that the, the design and them being the same, although to be fair, if you followed the character's history recently, uh, the Romulus that they're talking about is also another similar character where he is a lupine sort of mutant and he's been training the line that both Dakin and Logan have been a part of for years and years and years and subverting them to be Weapon X. And he's got similar powers and a similar appearance as well. So they've established this in the mythos where it's not just like Wolverine and, hey, it's Wolverine Jr. And they're the only people in the Marvel Universe that have these shared characteristics. I don't know. To me, it kind of takes a little bit of the the uniqueness of the character because the character is a is a a perfect storm of situations of things that could happen whereas now they're like well okay it's him plus this person and this person and I, th- just- I think joel's kind of trying to trying to say or trying to say yeah i think i'm trying to say what joel said <laughs> <laughs> um is it's, it's kind of a cheap way to come up with a equal for wolverine to have to fight just oh look it's his son he has the same abilities where my perspective right. is, is it's, oh, go ahead. Right, well, Joel. I just mean, if, if you're going to have a character and you want them to be unique and be the, the one that everybody loves, if all of a sudden you start making other characters that are the similar or uh, similar enough, all of a sudden that character loses what oh, made him special in like, the first place. Just like when they reprinted Nicole Bolas. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've got a lot of characters in comics who their nemesis is basically an evil version of themselves. And instead of doing like the Flash and the anti-Flash or whatever it is in DC, this is kind of a different take on that concept where there it's not an evil clone of Wolverine. It's not an alternate universe Wolverine. It's a son of Wolverine with similar abilities who took a different path through his upbringing. So it's the it's same not, it's thing. It's not bizarro Wolverine. <laughs> right. It's a way to tell that same sort of story. But it's, in my opinion, it's a less w- lame way of telling that same sort of story. Just to spin another perspective on it. Yeah, I, I, can see that. I would just worry that it would it would create a glut in the market, more or less. Because, you know, the Fantastic Four has Doctor Doom, not the same character. You know, Spider-Man's got Doctor Octopus or... Uh, the Green Goblin. They're they're not the opposite of Spider Man. You know, I, I don't. I don't. Well, I guess Spider Man's also got Venom, which in a lot of ways is an anti Spider Man. Uh, a lot of people have their sort of dark reflection as one of their villains. Maybe not every single character has that story. True. But it, okay, it's, fair enough. It, it's a common. It's a common theme in comics. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, even I know that. Shut up, Pat. <laughs> I'm and not. Mike. Say, I'm not saying anything bad. I'm just saying you're dumb. And and Rand said, Mike, what do you think? We haven't heard from you in a while. Well, I was just agreeing with the fact that yeah, coming up with a enemy for Wolverine to fight that would be his equal is kind of cheap. Doing the 
oh, it's his son thing. And but it does give you a good idea, like Josh said, of what you know, getting to that what if Wolverine was not mentored by Professor X, where would he finally turn to? But in the same notion, I'm yeah, I thought it was kind of cheap, but they could have gone even cheaper and done so and so, you know, uh, Mrs. Mysterio or Mrs. What's the Diamond Girl face? I just forgot her name. Uh, that was Domino. Ms. Sinister. Ms. Sinister. Oh, yeah. You know, Ms. Sinister does something and causes Wolverine to split into two or something like that. That would have, I think, that would have been a lot cheaper. Like Bizarro and Superman. Yeah, not not even Bizarro. More like like uh, Link and Dark Link from the video games. You know, or you I, could even take what they'd constantly done with the various alternate universe kids of Cyclops and Jean Grey constantly popping up and being evil or being the savior of the universe or whatever. Mm-hmm. This or, is similar, but a less ham-fisted way of handling the same yeah, story. Or, oh, we made an evil clone of you. Right. You know, something like that. But I think the sun was probably the least cheap way to go about and doing it more plausible because you had so much backstory on Wolverine. You can go, yeah, I can buy that at one point or another. He had a son. Which is crazy because this is a story that involves Mr. Sinister or a version of Mr. Sinister and kind of like making evil clones of people. That's like one of his shticks. Yeah. <laughs> See, and I always found that that Creed, a.k.a. Sabretooth, was always his his nemesis in my mind. I mean, I always thought of those two as being at odds. Yeah, that's seem at certainly odds. true. Yeah, th- but, that's kind of the hero arch villain nemesis relationship there. And 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 Sabretooth is similar, but not enough that you can say he's the same. Just like Venom is similar, but his powers are. I mean, he's he's an alien symbiote. It's a completely different animal. Right. See, I can't see. Um, Sabretooth being a good enough foil for him. Wolverine is does have the whole beast side to him, but he's pretty damn clever also. He's got more intelligence going on than I think Sabretooth ever would have. Sabretooth is more beast than... Like brute force. Yeah. So you can yeah. get... They'll get into a fight, and yeah, because you're going to get the same story where Wolverine outwits... Um, why can't I stick with? Why can't I keep his name in my head? Sabretooth. Sabretooth. They're Wolverine out with Sabretooth because Wolverine knows more strategy. Wolverine is more intelligent, and it's it, that kind of theme goes through the whole all interactions with him. Even if in the very from origins that the Logan kid turns out to be Wolver, you know, turns out to be. Uh, God damn it! What's wrong with me? I'm gonna <laughs> well, write talking about he might have been his dad at yeah, some point. But um, I'm writing it down. <laughs> Wait. Well, I I'm mean, the one that's high. Remember, I'm the one that's high. I forgot. Uh, <laughs> but no, that Sabretooth isn't. I mean, he's a he is a foil, but he's not a nemesis. You know, he well, he does get jump, you know, jump in there every now and then. But every time that that Sabretooth shows up, he's always ordered to be there by somebody else. He's not. Okay. He's not the guy in charge. Whereas Wolverine is on his own so often. Wolverine, you know, Professor X doesn't quite often tell Wolverine, hey, I want you to go do this. Wolverine decides that he's going to go take care of something before Professor X even comes up with it. Sure. See, I just don't think that those, whereas Mrs. Mrs. and Mr. Sinister is a little bit... Is a little bit better. Can I, can I just say that that is a goofy name? I'm just going to Mr. Sinister? Sinister. Yeah, or so Miss Sinister. Both of them. Like, well, I'm Mr. Sinister. <laughs> wouldn't you say that Wolverine is kind of Professor Xavier's actual leader? But because Wolverine is his own person and does what he wants, he can't ever count on him to always be in that role. But I think he's, that he's definitely his leader in the field. Deep, deep down, I think Xavier looks to him to be the the head of the school, the 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 man in charge. 
but let Scott have <laughs> the title just because. Well, you know, and well that, I think it's because Scott looks the part. Scott can put a good face forward and say, okay, this is, you know, I'm the leader of the X-Men. I'm the one, the good face of the school. Come to me if anything, you know, I, I'm the leader. But if you want to get shit done. Look into my eyes. Yeah. If you want to get shit done, go to Wolverine. Which is weird because they almost, in more recent years, there's kind of a schism between Scott and Logan where Scott kind of goes in the Magneto direction. Uh, after Xavier dies, he's just like, you know what? Screw this. We're going to uh, get uh, vengeance and justice for mutant kind by any means necessary. And Scott kind of goes rogue, and it's a Logan that's like, this is not what Xavier died for. This is not what Gene would have wanted. Uh, I can't do this like this. And like half the X-Men go with Scott and half the X-Men go with Logan, which is how Logan ends up uh, headmaster of the Gene Gray school for mutants. Yeah. So that that's kind of where things were, I don't know, about a year ago until we're on Logan's inevitable collision with his own mortality, which we're going to be real careful because these books are brand new. I don't want to uh, I really don't want to spoil them because there's going to be people who could have bought them this week and already have not finished. Mm -hmm. But just a quick impression from the three of us have read it. I think that so far the first two issues of Death of Wolverine have been spectacular. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I think they're definitely coming up with a good story, a, a more plausible storyline than I've seen before. Let me just, just explain my, myself real quick on why I didn't read it. Uh, it was a purpose. It was a purposeful decision. It's just mainly because I am a, uh, I, I am a, I have a serious problem with immediate gratification. Like I, ha I wait till a lot of shows are done with their entire run before I start watching them, so I can watch them all at once. Because I don't like waiting to find out what happens and things. Right. So I'm gonna wait till all four of them are out and then read them all at once. Well, I think that first if you of all, send I think them to me, Josh. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that the artwork is 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 just amazing. I love I I don't know the Steve McNevin's work other than in this book, but it it's a beautiful book. It's it, the the artwork is I out of all of them that we've read, some of my favorite. I think the storyline is so far, you know, it's like you said, it's kind of tying up a lot of loose ends and kind of bringing everything together in a nice package so that the aftermath will make more sense. And uh I, I had I knew nothing about it and I didn't know what to expect when I went into it, but I found myself really engrossed and just read, you know, just devoured both of them really quickly. Um, and I think a lot of that all all of well, all of Marvel's success lately, I think, goes goes back to the fact that they've got Quesada at the helm and, you know, he's a he started at the, the bottom, you know, so. I think I'm curious to see where it goes. And it's been a while since I've been interested in a comic book that's actually fresh, you know? Yeah. Uh, just the fact that they've been able to do their farewell tour, get so many characters from Wolverine's past involved and still tell a coherent story. Uh, so far, halfway through, very impressed. If you are a fan of Marvel Comics and you get a chance, check the books out. Yeah, get Origins, yeah. the Origin series, the Original Sin series, and then pick up the Death of Wolverine series and you'll have everything you pretty much ever needed to know <clears throat> in a very nice, beautiful little package. Yes. All right. So, like Pat's uh, junk. <laughs> <laughs> so what do we got on tap for next week, guys? Oh, yeah. Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. Going to get our Sinatra on. <laughs> Going to get all our cool on. Yeah. Oh, I lost my cool. Well, you're getting it back this week. Sinatra and Clooney in your face. 
Yeah, so this the next week we're watching the original Ocean's Eleven with the Rat Pack, and uh, if you don't know what that is, look it up. I'm not telling you. You got to search <laughs> for that one. And then, look it up, babe. And is there is there a name for Clooney's group on this? Do they ever uh, have a good Rat Pack? I don't good know. Job. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and then the George Clooney's Clooney buddies. That's Clooney's what buddies. <laughs> there you go. The, the Clooney clan. So <laughs> that doesn't sound right. No, yeah. it does not. They're called the Clannies. Wait, no, <laughs> no, that's George not good Clannies. either. <laughs> The George Klansman. Wait. <laughs> this is getting worse. The cuckoo Were they from the British invasion? <laughs> All right. All right. So. All right. So if uh, you'd like to look at our previous shows, uh, you can always find them on our own website at 40go14.com, or you can download episodes at iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, or TalkShoe. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's that number again if they want to drop us a voicemail? Are you asking me? I'm asking anybody at this point. It's <laughs> 708 now wrap. 708-669-9727. And you too can be up there with Nenemlos and maybe bring and some reason to it. The lady that I now have a crush on. And Luke and our female listener that called in and did not leave her That's name. That's what I'm talking about. I love her. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's the one for this week, huh, Pat? <laughs> yep. All See right, you next folks. week. See you next week. Good night, guys. Good night. Snicked. Wanted you less, could not miss your likeness. Celebrities sold toys, cartoons, and films. Well, I might buy that new Wolverine grill. Don't let your rage grow high. Seem to be always in a fight, fight, fight. Stay geeky, my friends. It's a proper name. Wolver, Wolver, oh. Alabama, Ding Dong. Oh, you typed that. Oh, yeah. I thought you just put that. I like this. One. No, I put it there because it wasn't there, but it was in the. Well, it said Wolver, Rama, Mama, Ding Dong. There was no Lama, so I added the Lama. But yeah, he did Wolver, Rama, Mama, Ding Dong. Right. So Amma, I was Mama, 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 Mama. Quoting the the song. <laughs> Aluminum, aluminum. I'm gonna be honest. Oh shit. <laughs> I hate all I, three of you. <laughs> no, I dislike both of them, but I like I'm so Kino on Wolverino better than Wolverama Lama Ding Dong. Uh-huh. Oh, that might, that might work. Oh, he's got a suggestion. Mm. We have a third one. Well, first off, he picked uh, Wolverama Lama Ding Dong, uh, <laughs> mainly because he didn't like Kino on Wolverino at all. <laughs> but he suggested um, Hungry Like the Wolverino. Oh, that's so much better oh, than like either it. of the other two. Yep. I, so we'll... Is everybody good with that one? No. You don't like that one? I like that Unless one. Mike says he likes it, and then I'll go, I'll, I'll go along with it. Mike, what do you think? Hungry like the Wolverine, or hungry like mm-hmm. the Wolverine? Hungry like the Wolverine. Hungry like the Wolverine. Yeah, that works. I like that. All right, let's and, he use, and he can use Simon the Bun with uh, Claws. Snicked. Le snicked. He's not French, though.